Hello, everyone. Today is a very special episode because um, I'm interviewing one of my favorite um, uh, developers, uh, which is the team at 100 Rabbits. So um, how should I call you? Um, uh, you can call me Devin. Okay. Um, yeah, you can call me T. Okay. Um, so um, recently I've been looking a lot into um, your UXM project and how it's bringing um, kind of, uh, it's bringing computing tools and also toys to a lot of um, low power devices. Um, so in this um, show, uh, we really um, embrace kind of permacomputing and um, minimalist computing. So um, it's so we find um, your mission with UXM um, very important. Um, can you tell us about the origins of UXN and um, your experience working with it? Sure. Um, well, so first off, um, we live on a sailboat and our power limitations are, are pretty extreme. So we we started off doing iOS development, but we couldn't keep our computers, lap well, our laptops powered up enough uh, from our house batteries and the solar panels that we had. And so we, we had to look for alternatives than building applications for iOS because using Xcode is really power hungry. So after that, we, we turned to um, making web applications. So our thinking was that, oh, like if we want to make cross-platform ap applications, then maybe something for like uh, browsers would be a, a good candidate. But even that, that turned out to be pretty power intensive because the whole publishing process of releasing things for for browsers is 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 more bandwidth uh, intensive so like on one hand we had issues with power on the other we had a lack of connect connectivity building things for uh, javascript you you'll end up using package managers and that sort of tool chain that is extremely bandwidth uh, intensive and also you'll find yourself like re relying on uh, Google and search engines and like a stack overflow to find answers for these uh, scripting languages more than um, more than we, we could afford basically so like when I had an issue with a, with a package or some some sort of dependency I had to look up all this documentation because obviously all these packages are poorly documented so everyone used stack overflow to find issues and answers and we couldn't we, we just couldn't keep up with, with all that. So after that, we, we started to keep digging and looking for alternatives. Eventually, we turned to C. So we, we started to build things in SDL. But even then, uh, so my my my, lap, my Raspberry Pi was running Plan 9 at the time and uh, building applications for in C, even though you would think that it's very cross-platform. Well, the C compiler for Plan 9 had so much differences then we we couldn't really build from Plan 9 for Unix, uh, for, for Linux, and also for Mac and, and Windows, because the deployment was really, um, really complex. Like, and we we couldn't find a way around that. So we, we decided to make a small virtual machine and just create our projects targeting that virtual machine. So that made a very simple target to port. Instead of rebuilding and rewriting our applications every time, we would just, you know, j just modify the emulator to to fit each platform. And the emulator was designed to be as simple as possible. 
Um, great. Um, it actually reminds me a bit of um, Pico 8, but of course Pico 8 is more focused on gaming and, um, well, it's more like a toy than a tool, but uh, in the case of UXN, um, I think what it does really, really well is um, make uh, simple computing um, programs accessible to basically anything with a, a screen and some buttons. So <laughs> I've seen it running on the Raspberry Pi Pico, the GBA. Um, yeah, you've also ported it to the Nintendo DS. Um, what else is it on? Oh yeah, the Playdate. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it the, the the GBA is basically a pretty good target. If you if, if it runs on the GBA, it will run on most things. Like it won't run on the NES or Z80 or Commodore 64, but it it might. Like we might we we there's a there's probably a way of getting most of Xander working on the Commodore or the Spectrum. I haven't really explored that so much. I mean, Xander was first of all designed so we could actually build tools that would work on the platforms that we were using. And I mean, if, if it works on a Raspberry Pi, uh, it's, I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, releasing games, like if, if games weren't run on the GBA, that's really nice. But we have, I mean, the, the whole tool, tool chain that we use, uh, if it works on Raspberry Pi, it's good enough for us. Because Raspberry Pi 3 and 3B, you can basically power it with a USB socket. And for us on a boat, it's, it's, it's really efficient. Also, the Pi Zero too. I yeah, I really like the new Pi Zero. Um, the one that has the power of the um, Pi Three, but in the shape of a Pi Zero. Um, yeah, I think um, that device is also pretty neat. Of course, um, you know, for people who are just getting into Raspberry Pi, because if you already have like a Pi Three or a um, Pi 4 compute module, yeah, there's no need for you to get a zero two. But um, I think um, what it does is that it makes computing um, super accessible, like uh, decent computing, because the Pi zero, um, yeah, it was a computing device, but it couldn't handle um, a lot of stuff. Like um, you through, uh, like the moment you opened a web page, um, yeah, that made the Pi Zero really, really struggle. And the Pi Zero 2 um, can now handle that and other basic computing, computing tasks. So I think it's, um, it's really great that we now have um, this super accessible, um, you know, uh, no, not super powerful, but very efficient um, computers. Uh, because um, you see like um, the computing world focusing a lot on the on these power hungry beasts that are the like the, just the graphic card um, uses like what uh, 10 times more power than a pie and it's getting kind of ridiculous and almost grotesque the amount of energy that uh, some of these things use um, but even beyond that like our interest was that we would build things so people could use devices that they already have instead of keep buying new things. Like we sort of like, we're pretty happy that people get to recycle, like reuse old devices and run the software that we make 
as to not just keep encouraging people to buy new things. Like if if companies today decide, oh, well, you know what, we'll keep making Dreamcast games or we'll keep making uh, software for, like we'll keep supporting older software, uh, older platforms, sorry. Like it would sort of like put a, a halt on the treadmill of buying new hardware and producing new hardware. Like using using it is one thing, but also like there's a lot of power that goes into like just generating new electronic things. Yeah, um, definitely. I think the first step towards that is developing um, platforms that are um, universally um, usable, like on um, basically any device. Um, like, for example, I think, uh, well, a great example of that is RetroArch. Like, um, there are versions of RetroArch for basically anything that has come out in the last uh, 20 years. Um, there's like a version for the PS2, there's one for the Xbox, one for the Wii. Um, so yeah, there's also, um, I think for now, I'm not sure if there's a version for Palm devices, but um, there's for really a lot of devices. And um, yeah, I think having um, those sort of compatibility um, layers, like um, having, um, platforms with certain universality to them. I think it's key to um, salvage computing. Um, so um, also, um, you know, the Microsoft TMP thing, um, where a lot of people couldn't update to Windows 11 because they didn't have a, a, a chip that Microsoft arbitrarily um, listed as a requirement. Well, um, a lot of people switched to Linux because of that. Um, and the thing about Linux is that you, well, if you have, um, you, you can have a computer that runs Windows XP, but if you use Windows XP on it, a lot of modern programs won't work. And if you use Linux, um, you have a better chance of using modern software because, um, you know, developers aren't, uh, well, developing more for Windows XP, but they keep developing for Linux. So, uh, yeah, um, that also saves a lot of old computers. Um, the ones that can run, uh, you know, Windows 10, Windows 11, but can run a distribution of Linux. Um, yeah, you can do a lot of things with those computers. I actually have one very old a laptop that I use like a retro gaming device and I also, it's not good for web browsing, but there's a lot of um, stuff you can still do on it. So yeah, I still have it around. Nice. Um, so yeah, you mentioned iOS and Apple um, and I have mixed feelings towards them. Um, like, I really like the fact that recently they have um, focused on efficiency in laptops because um, uh, I don't like the power hungry trends that we're seeing um, with like the NVIDIA RTX cards and stuff like that. Um, like, I think, yeah, it's maybe for, um, you know, tasks that, uh, I don't know, I just see it kind of wasteful to use. Um, like so so much power um on gaming 
I think gaming devices should be efficient by nature. Like, um, I don't know. Um, I, I just see and all these RGB lights and stuff like that. I just see it as a waste, honestly. Um, so yeah, um, back to Apple. Um, I think um, they are um, great designers, but they have some um, really messy philosophies. Um, philosophies that kind of um, go against uh, the environment, against the users. Like even if their products are polished, um, they do so many things against the users that um, I just um, can't uh, overlook. Well, I was helping a friend with, with his Mac MacBook and I mean, like I, I can see that they, they, at one point they must have been inspired by um, uh, Dieter Rams, you know, like his design philosophies and principles, but it seems a bit lost because like it, it was, it was hard to, it was hard to use. And I, I would look at him use the, the MacBook and I mean, like he's in sixties and over and, and it, it was clumsy. Everything about it was clumsy. The, the, the window, you would like sort of like drag them a bit and then it would, the window would warp all the way down at the bottom of the screen. And then you would be like, like picking it up again. And I'd be like, is that like, is that, is that happening, happening a lot? And he was like, oh yeah, that's really annoying. Whenever I, I sort of like, my, my palm touched the, the, the trackpad, it just warps the thing around. And like sometimes the, the window alpha wouldn't draw properly around, like over other windows. And I was just, I just like, it didn't feel, it didn't feel as polished as I remembered Apple's product to be. But um, but one thing that annoyed me, like trying to help him think, uh, with, with his issues, yeah, he had an issue, we had to reinstall Mac and, and we, didn't have, we didn't have a reliable internet connection. So what we could, my thinking was that, oh, well just download OS X, put in a USB stick and boot boot from the USB stick. And well, we couldn't get a proper internet connection from the Apple server. So like we would start downloading downloading the recovery disk, it would and it would eventually it would just fail. So we thought, oh, we'll just get a, a torrent. So we get a torrent, put it on a USB stick. But then I realized that all the new MacBooks have a sort of like a USB dongle, a converter thing from USB C to USB. And we I couldn't for the life of me figure out how to do a USB boot with the latest uh, MacBooks. Like, I'm not sure if it was something that they removed or, but all the docu documentation offline, like even on the Apple official forums, people were asking this that same question and they couldn't really figure it out. So I, it seemed like a step backward toward, from, from openness. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's a company I have um, mixed feelings towards in general, like, um, I think they are they go more towards the negative side, um, but there are some positive elements to them. But yeah, I just can't overlook the bad parts. I can't, um, and they are they are plenty. Um, so um, how have you managed um, like self sufficiency on your um, kind of um, nomad lifestyle? Um, on the boat and stuff, um, like your gardening techniques and um, yeah, any anything else that um, well that has helped you, um, you know, uh, in this journey. Well, 
I, I don't think we haven't uh, achieved self-sufficiency. Like we're interested in in sort of like decentralized and independent systems. So our, our interest is more like how, how could like what skills can we learn that makes us more independent from um, from others? Like, but it we we're sort of like we're we're still living in a community of sailors who help us. And our thinking is that if anything, like we can learn the skills that we can use to help others. Um, so we started to to learn about food because we don't always have access to uh, fresh fresh markets. We started to learn about preservation because we don't have refrigeration, um, and we 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 we've been asking ourselves the serious questions like: Is computing sustainable? Is that compatible with with a greener future, sort of, and and well, we don't have an answer, but I mean, we're trying to do the best with what we know, and it seemed at the time, and anyways, that like from my computing and learning how things work from first principles, whether it be on the boat or on the computer, it has a lot of over overlaps, and it seems to be like a, a singular a singular philosophy of like just wanting to use as little technology as possible like we want to be comfortable want to keep warm and fed but at the same time we don't want to be relying on companies that we don't trust or that seem to be doing more harm than good and everything that we learn we put on our website rick has been re working really hard at making sure that the knowledge that we acquire doesn't die with us sort of like we can pass it down because people spent countless hours trying to help us great um yeah maybe self-sufficiency was the wrong word like um i think um you know um that word uh, is kind of a very isolating term like it sounds like you're living in a cave and screw everyone else but um yeah um i think um more like um in terms of well when i was we, we um, use the we use the word resilience i find i find that's a really good word yeah, to talk I, about these sort of ideas yeah that could be a great substitute um yeah because um yeah the term um self-sufficiency is very isolating like i don't need anyone that's never gonna be true um like maybe you can survive but can you really live without others uh I don't know. Um, right now, um, well, I have a, um, let's say, a partner I'm working with on some um, cocoa-related stuff. But um, that the, there are actually like um, local farms in my community. Like it's not, um, you know, a big conglomerate um, using like children's slaves in Africa, like Nestle. No, like um, it's like a really uh, a small community and I'm going to like a local market um, and I'm preparing um, hot cocoa and stuff. And yeah, that has been um, a really rewarding activity, like working with him. And also, yeah, I learned, I learned how to like toast the um, seeds and all that. Um, the cocoa beans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Oh, it smells delicious when it's toasting. Um, it's so good. <laughs> I I also wanna prepare like 
stuff like nut milk and um, things like that in my house um, more often. Um, Cause I yeah, don't wanna... I mean, like th that sort of knowledge is is gold. It, like like I wish I I, I had learned all the, about these things sooner. Recently, we, we've been like learning about um well we've been ma making our own flour and it's a little thing but it's it's really re rewarding and empowering. <laughs> like for a long time, if you'd ask me how to make flour, I just didn't know. It's just this thing you buy. It comes. It's on a shelf and and, and that's it. But being able to make it like in you're saying like oh make like like roasting cocoa beans and making you know like your own brownies from scratch like this we did that in French Polynesia too and and it tasted better because we knew every single step of the way to to, to the brownies and and I thought that I wish I could do that for everything yeah um uh yeah I actually um like bakery a lot as well um I would like to learn more um, vegan recipes uh, in the future. I, I, I want to be able to make uh, vegan yogurt at some point and stuff like that. Um, I think that would be, um, that would be uh, nice to know how to, well, I already know, like I have uh, seen videos and stuff, but I haven't tried it myself. Um, so yeah, um, that's also something I am striving for. Um, so also, yeah, but we are getting um, quite um, focused on that topic and I want to move to something else right now, which is um, the web 1.0 community. Um, so for, all of, uh, for everyone in the audience who doesn't know, um, it's basically a movement to revive the way um, websites worked um, like in the earliest days um, when you only had um, text and maybe, um, yeah, may maybe a bit of um, formatting, um, but uh, yeah, it was all um, very basic, but it was very efficient. Um, like it could run on anything. Uh, so, yeah. Um, what do you think about um, that movement? Like the whole um, gopher and um, what was this other protocol? Gemini? Yeah, Gemini and all that. Well, I think it's, I think it's encouraging to see people exploring these sort of ideas. I mean, um, Gemini, I have a few issues with Gemini. It's a great content delivery thing. Like, let's say um, you're looking for something that can be explained in text. I find it, it does a really good job at this. Um, as as artists, I find that it seems very much geared for writers. It's not so good at delivering uh, graphics, but I mean, I. I I could see something like, I mean, there's probably it's probably going to inspire others to explore their own protocols with their own f image formats, their own text formats, and for that, I think it's great that people are considering these things. 